Good morning, West Hills. Excited to join you in your living room again. I don't know about you, but me and my family, we're throwing a party every single week. And so I just encourage you, just jump right in and throw a party with us. And uh, we're excited to see all that God is doing and how He's using these, these videos to move all across our city and beyond. Hey, you know how we usually do our get-to-know-you time uh, at church when we gather? And I can't wait for that time, by the way. Uh, but right now, let's, let's spend this time and be intentional. Let's encourage somebody. Let's ask the Lord right now. Lord, give us a name, somebody to encourage. You got the name? I'll pull out your phone and send a word of encouragement. I got a message from somebody last week who told of sending this word of encouragement and receiving a text back that basically said, man, you don't understand what this actually meant to me. We never know uh, what God's going to do and how he's going to use, but when we step in by faith and expect God to do he always shows up and does more than we can think or imagine. Step in, trusting that God's going to use this time, and I know that He will. While you do that, I want to give a couple thanks. I want to give a shout-out of thanks to, to Kenny and Austin and Marta and TC uh, for making uh, this video uh, stream happen. They put a lot of effort behind the scenes and late nights to make sure that uh, they produce quality, and we're just so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for Genevieve and her, her team of children's volunteers who make all their videos happen. My kids are having dance party every single week, and they're memorizing verses, and we're doing that together as a family. So thank you, team, for all of you done. I want to thank uh, Sylvia and Holly for their effort as they gathered from last week when we encouraged you guys uh, that through our giving, we're sponsoring and making sure that the school has everything that they need. And those kids, as they're away at home, that their needs are met while they're at, at their homes. In 24 hours, you met all the needs that the school uh, set before us. So thank you so much uh, for being a people, not to just talk about the gospel, not to just hear about it, uh, but those who act upon it. And I believe that your life is going to shine brightly in these days. As we talked about last week, you're stepping in, not out. And so thank you so much for setting the example. Thank you so much uh, for being the church and shining the light and love of Jesus in this city. I know that our city is shifting because of this, and I know it's going to come out on the other side better. Thank you for all of your efforts and for, for doing your part. Uh, let's continue to band together and give during this season because there are so many needs and I believe there's going to be uh, quite a bit more need. And just know if you're in need, reach out to us. We'd love to come alongside you in these days. But if you'd like to give, find the link below. And I just want to encourage you, let's band together in this season and let's give generously. When others are hoarding, we're not hoarding, we're going to be giving. And so together, we're going to give to make sure that the gospel continues to, to spread, not just by word, but in deed. And we're going to be a unified collective effort to make that happen. Hey, if you got your Bibles today, as we transition now, uh, we're going to be in Luke 19 and then Psalm 36. And I want to talk about uh, 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 both of these passages. And we're stepping out of a series, uh, stories that help us see. And it all leads up to Luke 19. Uh, this time where Jesus is triumphantly entering the city of Jerusalem. Over this time, uh, maybe some of you have had uh, time off of work or you've been sitting at home a little bit. And I know some of y'all, y'all been binge watching Netflix for about two weeks now. And so uh, if you have, then you've watched a bunch of shows and you've spent a lot of time and you, you get emotionally involved in these stories some of y'all got emotionally involved in, in Tiger King and you were wishing old Joe wouldn't have burned down a studio. Uh, don't lie to me, I know. 
But we get emotionally involved in these stories. And have you ever got to the end of one of those stories and you said, no, are you kidding me? Like, I, no, I need to get the pen and I need to get the paper. I need to rewrite the narrative of that story. There's been a couple shows that I've got to the end and been like, I just wasted my life. Uh, I really wish the story was different. As we step into Luke 19, I believe this is exactly what the Jews had actually done. You see, they had all of the information, uh, but with the information given, they began to rewrite another story in their minds. And in Psalm, uh, or I mean Luke 19, uh, verse 11, Jesus speaks a parable, but he speaks a parable because he was near Jerusalem, it says in verse 11, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So he speaks this story over the people who have a false expectation, a false uh, understanding of what's actually about to happen. So he speaks a parable or a story to help bring some clarity. After he speaks this parable, he looks at two of his followers and he tells them, he says, hey, listen, go into the town and you're going to find a donkey in that town. (laughs) Grab the donkey. It's never been ridden before. And when the master of this donkey comes out and asks you what you're doing, tell them, The Lord needs it. This is such a strange exchange. But here's what I love from just thinking about, here's what Jesus does. He gives them a directive to go do something. But not only does he give them a directive to go do something, he helps them understand what they can expect. He equips them with everything they need to actually carry out the task that they've been given. I believe that's still the same Jesus that we follow today. He's given us a task. He's given us a call. And if you'll press in, if you'll look inward into the Word, if you'll know exactly what He's called you to, uh, you'll find that He's actually given you everything that you can need to understand what to expect in these days as well. I want to encourage you, use this time intentionally. Uh, As you have time, maybe you have time off of work, step into the Word. I promise you the King has not stopped talking, and He wants to meet with you right where you are. Would you allow Him to speak in these days? Do something different, though. Don't do what you've done before. Step into a brand new encounter. He's waiting to encounter you and speak. But in Luke 19, this is what begins to happen. The people have been deceived. He gets the donkey. He's riding into the city of Jerusalem. But here's the irony of this story. He's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the the word Jerusalem literally is derived from the word peace. Peace is a part of the word Jerusalem. The word salim is actually the word that means peace. So you have this, get the full picture. You have this king who's coming, and it says this in verse 38 through 42. Blessed, everybody scream, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're speaking Psalm 118, 26, and they're talking to prophecy. They're shouting an exclamation that their king has come. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke these disciples, tell them to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Would that you, he said, even you had known on this day the things that make for peace. If you just knew, Jesus said, the thing that actually makes for peace. And as he wishes, he desires deeply that they would know, he weeps over them as he sees the city in the distance. He longs for them to understand. Like I said, here's the irony of the story. The word Jerusalem literally means peace. And so this this 
Prince of Peace enters their city. And yet he says, if you had only knew what would really bring you peace. You see, they had a false idea of what peace was going to be. They thought peace was going to be immediate. They thought, uh, here's what would bring peace, a dominating force, a conquering king that would come and he would set up a shop and he would rule Rome. And he would not just rule Rome, but he would rule the entire world with an iron fist and he would break down everything that stood against him. But the conquering king came on a donkey, not a horse. And he came with tears instead of pride. This is the conquering king that was spoke about in Zechariah 9.9. It says, Behold, your king comes riding lowly on a donkey. He rode in on a donkey to fulfill the prophecy that was spoken many, many years before. But they had no idea what would actually bring for peace, what would cause or call, what would be actual peace. And because they didn't know what would be peace, Jesus wept over the city. The classical Greek idea of knowing, though, the idea of knowing is to see and judge rightly. Knowing had a connotation of actually understanding, not just to know a fact, but you had like an experience of it, which caused a knowing. They didn't experience peace. They actually, they never really knew it. They didn't know even how to get it. They couldn't see. They didn't know what would really bring peace. But why, what, what caused them not to really know? What caused this blindness? I'm reading Psalm 36 this week, and it helped me to really put this into perspective as we understand how they actually didn't understand, how they were actually blinded. And it says this in verse 1 of Psalm 36. It says, Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. And in their blind conceit or their blind deception... They cannot see how wicked that they really are. See, the Jews didn't understand uh, their motivation. The thing that actually motivated them was the self-interest. It wasn't about the king coming at all. They really wanted to rule. And so what spoke deep within them was, here's the guy who's going to help you get where you want to get. Here's the guy who's actually arrived to bring you into rulership. It wasn't about the king at all. It was about them becoming king. And the sin within them spoke this uh, deceptive voice over this to say, listen, here comes uh, the, 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 the means that gets you where you wanted to get. You're the king. This reminds you of any other story? It reminds me of Genesis, the very first story of the Bible. In the very first story of the Bible, the, the deceiving serpent comes to Adam and Eve and he whispers to them and he speaks to them and he says, did God really say don't eat from that tree? Did God really say don't do that? You know what God really, God's actually not really that good. What God really uh, wants to do is to hold you back. You should pick up the pen and write your own story. You should do the thing that he said not to do because it's going to give you what you always really wanted. This was the lie that humanity has believed from the foundation of the earth. This is the lie that the psalm points to that the wicked believe. And I believe that uh, as I'm looking at this passage, one of the things that blinds me uh, on occasion to people even is the fact that sin is the thing that whispers to the wicked. Do you ever attribute a sin to somebody else? Did you ever put that on an identity for somebody? You credit them for being that sin? <laughs> Maybe they've hurt you. 
Maybe they've offended you. And that offense takes on a face. But you see, this passage says that basically sin has deceived them and it has caused a hurt. But if we understand what the wisdom of the Scripture points us to, and it can soften our heart toward people right now, is the fact of this, that maybe they have believed a lie. They believed that this would be a better way of life, but instead it's brought death and it's hurt you, it's injured you. And as I believe as Jesus looks out over a city that has been deceived, he weeps over them because he's not put the sin over their face, but he separated the two. Sin has been a great deceiver to these people. They were born into wickedness. They have sinful desires. They want to write their own stories. And so the people in our lives that have hurt or offended, they've just picked up a pen and began to write according to what they think is best. They've walked away from the truth that they've been called into by the scriptures. And so as we understand that, it can soften our heart toward people. We can understand their pain and their hurt. And so what do we do about that? Let's continue on into the psalm and understand. You see, the original sin was an effect of an effort to rewrite the narrative, to take control, to become God. And the Jews wanted to do the very same thing. Maybe today you're looking for peace Maybe through this circumstance that we're walking through together, you're realizing that uh, the thing that you thought was peace in your life is, is not a firm foundation for peace. It's actually not brought peace in your life. I love what one of the commentators said as he defined peace. He said this, peace is this, to be without trouble. Is life without trouble today? True peace is to have no worries. Or here, this is my favorite, to sit down in one's heart. This is what defines peace. It's at the seat of your emotion, the depth of who you are. You've sat down. You've, you've begun to rest internally. This is what peace is. If you're a UT fan, you've been to, probably to a UT game once upon a time or another. And if you've been to a game, uh, maybe you've seen this or this has happened to you. You've gotten your ticket. You read off where your seat is. You begin to try to find it. And you sit down. About halfway through the first quarter, somebody comes and goes, hey, you're in my seat. Or maybe you showed up a little bit late and you said, hey, you're in my seat. What happened next? No, you're, no, no, I'm not. Yeah, yes, yes, you are. I've got the proof right here. They look at their ticket and they look down and they realize, oh, I've been mistaken. I'm in the wrong seat. Or, oh, you're right. You're in the right seat. But if you've been in the wrong seat, there's nothing worse than having to stand up mid-first quarter and go find another seat. But maybe in this time you're realizing that the seat that you've taken is actually not peace-filled. What do you do about that? I believe that as we step into this story, we're going to understand even more what we do about that. Jesus wraps up Luke 19, and he talks about, would you had known the peace that is available to you. But because you haven't known the time of visitation, is what he says, because you haven't understood the time that I have visited, you didn't understand what would really bring peace. And so you know, that, you know what happens in the story. They end up crucifying the Prince of Peace. <laughs> Little did they know, uh, good things would come from it. But Jesus says, because you didn't know the time of visitation, here's what's about to happen to you. You're going to be surrounded by a great enemy. 
and there's going to lay siege to you in hard times. Terrible times are coming. And I believe this, he spoke a prophecy that actually happened just a few years later where the Roman Empire actually came in, sieged the city of, of Jerusalem, and starved everybody out. This is actually an event that happened. But I believe there's a figurative example in this as well. You see, when we believe that there is another way to peace, and we believe it, we sit in the seat and we take a seat, uh, before long, if you have taken the wrong seat, then here's what begins to happen in your life. You're going to begin to feel surrounded. The walls are going to begin closing in. You realize that I don't have the hope that I thought I had. You realize that maybe your world begins to shake a little bit. What do you do? Maybe you realize that you need to take a different seat. And I want to tell you today, if you feel like you have no hope today, I promise you there is hope that is extended through Jesus. Jesus extends hope to you today. But if you're sitting there and you're saying, Jay, I I get that. I've got plenty of hope and I've got peace and I'm sitting in the right seat. Wonderful. But here's what I want you to know. The mayor came out last week and talked about nine people in our city actually having no hope to the point of ending their own life. You might have peace today, but maybe somebody is just a text away who doesn't feel super peaceful today. And they just need guidance and helping understand where peace can really be found. My friend, as you listen to this, you have peace. Use this time with an intentional purpose because I promise you, God has placed you right where you are. And he has placed people around you with an intentional purpose that you would meet them right where they are. You would extend to them the peace that he's extended to you. This is the call in our life. This is the great adventure we get to go on with the king. And so I want to encourage you, uh, I, I promise you, if you understand what I'm saying, there's somebody around you who doesn't. Share the hope and the peace that you have. The peace that we have is a person, not a circumstance. And if you will give that peace away, that person, the good news that he's extended to you and me, watch what he does with you. Use your time in a, in a unique way. There's no time like today where we can set up a phone right now and I can shoot this on my my iPhone and project it to thousands of people all over this country. You have the same ability. Step in, my friend. If you know peace, then begin to share peace and watch God use you. Watch what he does as he takes the little that you have and he multiplies it beyond what you could ever fathom or imagine. My hope is that you take the peace that's been extended and you begin to extend it. This is the wonderful news that we have. But what is the thing that makes for peace? Let's continue. What is the ability to actually sit down in my heart? What gives me that ability to sit down, to actually have true peace? Psalm 36, 5 through 10 says, your unfailing love. So don't miss this. Psalm 36 starts out and it says, sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. They're blind conceit. They can't see how wicked that they really are. And then he goes down and says, but your unfailing love, O God, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike. I love that. You care for all of your creation. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wing. All humanity. I don't know about you, but I know uh, some elements of all of our humanity 
is what the first verse, the wickedness, is actually talking about. All humanity can find shelter and refuge, can find the peace they are looking for under the shadow of your wing. You feed them from the abundance of your house, letting them drink from your rivers of delight. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Pour out your unfailing love on those who love you. Give justice to those with honest hearts. When something gets poured out, it splashes. And today, if you understand with an honest heart that in fact, I am the wicked person. I am the one who has listened to sin once upon a time. Maybe like Paul, as he says, the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. There's times in my life where I pick up the pen, don't you? And I say, I want to do it my way. I think I know a better way. I think I could bring peace in my life. And maybe you're in that season. And you know the hope that you have in Jesus. You know the call that he's placed on your life. And yet, I just don't want to do it that way. I encourage you, would you put down the pen? Would you surrender the pen to the author today? The one who has a better idea? But he will show up to the honest of heart. To the one who loves him. But how do we love him? What does it mean to love him? You see, and only in order to love him, we must understand that we, like the original uh, sin in the garden where they pick up the pen, they begin to write their own story. Even in the midst of them writing their own story, God meets them right where they are, supplies their need. Even the Jews, as they see the conquering king, not the one they expected coming, and as they shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, it's not what they, it's not what they thought would come. And just a few days later, they'd be shouting, crucify, crucify, crucify. Knowing this to be true, Jesus enters their city still, meets them right where they are, climbs up on a cross with all authority and power. Every, every ounce of authority has actually been given to Jesus. He has every bit of authority to go, I'm done with this whole place and this thing is over. Yet he doesn't. He displays his righteousness. He displays his love for a people who are wicked, who've written their own story. And so maybe today you feel like there's no hope for you. You've gone too far your world is too shaky. And I want to tell you the hope is that if you're honest with yourself and you're beginning to see the reality, then there is real hope actually. But what we do next is of great importance. What you do with the moment where you see truly honestly right now is very, very important. This passage points us to a person, not a circumstance. At the end of Jesus' ministry, he gives a final encouragement and he says this. Here's my final encouragement. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. He says, I'm the peace that you've been looking for. You're never going to find it in a circumstance. You're not going to find it in a job. You're not going to find it in a spouse. You're not going to find it in a friendship. You're not going to find it at church with other people. You're going to find it in Jesus In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. So he promises us, peace is offered to you, but here in this world, you're going to have some tough times. He lets us know that right ahead of time. So prepare yourself, but take heart. I love that word heart. And what he's speaking to us is exactly uh, what the Psalms is saying. Deep within their heart, sin speaks to them and says, hey, you should do this. You should be king. You should do it your way. And he's saying, 
deep within their heart. But take heart. My prayer is that you find peace in me. Listen to my voice. And as you allow your heart to sit down in the seat of Jesus, you're going to find peace begin to flood your life and mind and your heart. Take heart. He says, I've overcome the world. I've conquered sin. And I haven't put an identity of sin upon you. I've suffered the payment of sin so that I could put my righteousness upon you. And when I see you, here's what he says. What actually brings peace? Verse 26 and 28. In that day, you're going to ask in my name. And do, and do not say to you, and I do not say to you, that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you. Do you see as he extends righteousness to you? And then you respond in honesty to understand, I have been a broken human and I receive the free gift of righteousness that's extended through Jesus. That's an honest heart. And only the honest heart can drink from the river of delight is what the psalm said. The Father himself loves you because of what Jesus did. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. That's Jesus' words. Because you've loved me. Because you've been honest. The only way that you can love Jesus if you're honest today. And the only way that you can love him is if you receive his love for you first. We talk about that every single week. And maybe you say, Jay, heard that, received that. Then here's my challenge or here's my ask for you. In these days, who in your life needs this extension of peace? I promise you they're sitting next door to you. I promise you they're maybe sitting in the room with you. How can we be the very extension of peace that's been extended to us? Would you take the rightful seat of peace? Would you allow your heart to sit and rest in a season where along the horizon may seem a little bit grim, but knowing this, that we have peace no matter what the circumstance is? This this very act is the act of Jesus. As I think about the day as he's entering Jerusalem, what faces him? What does he know? The cross is ahead of him. He knows a grim day is bearing down. And yet, what is he weeping over? He's not weeping over himself because he's found the key to life. His life is not his own. He surrendered his life. And he weeps not over himself or his own circumstance, but he weeps over the people for which he loves so dearly. If you to receive the true peace of Jesus and our life is to be transformed by the peace of God, then our affections will be transformed by the peace of God. This is a supernatural thing that I can't create within myself. I must receive it. And so today, if you're realizing, I don't have the peace that you're talking about, Jay, then here's the truth. With an honest heart, you can come to Jesus today and you can invite him to be your peace. Give me your peace. I need you, Jesus. You are my only peace. You're my only option that's going to bring calmness to my storm. And if you are to call out to him today, he will enter into the situation. He will meet you right where you are. Peace is extended through a person, not a circumstance. And his name is Jesus. Because this is true for us, here's my ask for us, church. If you've, ex- if you've received that before, then here's what I want to ask that you would do. On Friday, would you join me at 7 p.m.? We're going to go live over Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. 
And we want to collectively join together and we want to pray over our city. Here's the promise of what John 16 said. We are heard by the king of the universe. He loves us. And so now let's believe that. Let's step in by faith and expect God to actually begin moving. And and together on on Good Friday, as we recognize uh, the day of crucifixion, we're going to recognize the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that day. But we're going to go to the king because we're allowed to go to the king. And we're going to begin expecting him to do more than we can think or imagine in these days. And we're going to call out to him uh, to begin bringing wholeness and healing to our city. And some of us need that. Would you meet us on Friday night at 7 p.m.? Gather your family, gather your friends, uh, however you want to do that, right where you are. Um, You can join us. Remember, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Join us Friday at 7 p.m., this Friday. And if you'll do that, uh, I just believe and I know that God's going to meet us there. We're going to do that for one hour, um, so join us for an hour. I can't wait uh, to see you guys Friday. Right where you are now as we end, let's ask the king, Lord, what do you want uh, from us? How can we be messengers of your peace? And maybe this is a season where you don't feel very peaceful. Would you ask the Lord to maybe show you, and here's, here's why the, we don't have peace. I've picked up the pen of my story in some way. I've picked it up. Lord, how have I picked up the pen? How am I writing my own story? Show me how to write the story. Show me how to surrender. I let go of the pen. It's yours. And I receive your peace. I receive your word today. And I want to walk with you. Let that be your prayer today. And my prayer is that healing uh, begins to flood your life and cover you and your family. And you begin to uh, begin, just like what the psalm says, you know, drink from the river of delight from the Lord because he wants to pour that over you and your family. Receive that from Jesus today and meet him and he will meet you right where you are. I love you, my friend, and I look forward to seeing you guys on Friday. We'll see you all next week as well. Much love.